With the election a month and a half away, we're hearing from Hoosiers on both sides of the aisle, including Senator Todd Young, State Superintendent Dr. Jennifer McCormick, and candidate for governor Dr. Woody Myers, plus an interview with vice presidential candidate Senator Kamala Harris, and the Indiana impact of the Big Ten's return with big money on the line for the state. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Huge development in this chaotic and contentious election year when we learned Friday night of the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was 87 years old and had been fighting cancer while still serving on the court in recent years. Now her passing marks a key moment this election year as we wait to see how Republicans in the Senate and the president will proceed. Friday night, Bob Donaldson spoke with UND political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson. This is a really important moment in, in American history. And aside from Ruth Bader Ginsburg's legacy on the court and what she stood for, especially for uh, people on the left, this opening is an opportunity for conservatives to replace a, one of the liberal-leaning justices um, with someone of their own ideology. So it's, it's an incredible moment in American history right now. Is there any doubt that the Republicans are going to move incredibly swiftly to fill this vacancy on the court? I imagine the Republicans do want to work quickly, uh, given the timeline, uh, that this is already the end of September. Of course, we'll come to the election at the beginning of November and an inauguration, whether it's for Donald Trump's second administration, his second term in office, or if it's for Joe Biden's first. Um, they know they have a compressed timeline, a matter of weeks to move. Uh, so they'll be looking very carefully and very quickly in terms of who they want to nominate in replacement. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb said as a pioneering woman who triumphed in life fighting for equality and justice, Justice Ginsburg takes her place in heaven, leaving an everlasting legacy for which we can all be proud. From former Democratic presidential candidate and former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a titan of justice. Her jurisprudence expanded the rights of all Americans, shaping our lives for the better. We'll have much more coming up on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. Well, we turn now to one of the key races on the ballot here in Indiana this year, the race for governor. Big endorsements this week, but for the most part this year, the state's response to COVID-19 has been front and center, including Governor Holcomb's statewide mask mandate, which he says is working. We're tracking um, where we were and where we are. And I just think the proof is in the pudding and, and um, we'll continue to promote good practice. If our kids in school can do this, and we're not seeing that spin out of control because they've put measures in place. If our kids can do it, then I'm pretty sure I can. Now, the governor's opponent, Dr. Woody Myers, says we haven't done enough to enforce the mandate and says the state should also be expanding mail-in voting. I think my opponent must have been listening to uh, his former boss uh, in Washington, D.C., and his boss, uh, the president, who clearly have mismanaged this pandemic from the start. Now, coming up on next week's edition of In Focus, we'll also hear from Libertarian candidate for Governor Donald Rainwater, who posted a strong showing in a poll that came out last week. He was also endorsed this week by State Rep Jim Lucas. Governor Holcomb got an endorsement this week from the NRA, and Myers was endorsed by a Republican, State Superintendent Jennifer McCormick. McCormick also endorsed Democratic candidate for Attorney General Jonathan Weinzapfel, who in that same poll trails Republican Todd Rokita. Rokita was endorsed this week by the Indiana State Police Alliance. As for McCormick, she's actually been endorsing a number of Democrats this election year, and I spoke with her this week. 
my own personal voting pattern has very been very checkered. I've been a Democrat and a Republican registered wise. And so for me, it's always been about people before the party. And I've always put people, including kids and educators, over a political party. Dr. McCormick telling me she is also supporting Joe Biden for president. Now, our affiliates across the country have been very busy this election season talking with candidates on both sides of the aisle, especially in some of those key battleground states. We recently brought you this interview from Pennsylvania with Vice President Mike Pence. Today, our affiliate in Las Vegas talks one-on-one -on -one with Democratic candidate for Vice President Senator Kamala Harris, who spoke about President Trump's indoor rally there in Nevada. It was shocking. It was shocking. I'm told that there were a couple thousand people there. And um, meanwhile, the people that were in closest proximity to the president, I'm told, were wearing masks. But, you know, normal people were being asked and expected to sit next to each other without masks. And I just find it the height of irresponsibility. But I guess we shouldn't be surprised, especially after we heard the president tell a, a, a journalist in February that he knew that the virus was lethal. He knew that it was airborne. And still he suggested to the American people during that same period of time that it was a hoax, that it wasn't serious, that it would go away. I, I don't understand how a president of the United States um, can think that this is okay. And the president of the United States has as one of their most important responsibilities to keep the American people safe. President Trump has failed. Under a Biden-Harris administration, how specifically would the response be different and what steps would you take to improve the situation? Well, first of all, under a Biden-Harris administration, we would tell the American people the truth and we wouldn't cover up the truth. Sadly, what we've seen is that Donald Trump has been deliberately um, misleading or, or misinforming the American people. And so now we're looking at over 6 million people that have contracted the disease. Um, almost 200,000 people have died from it. So Joe Biden and I are committed to making sure we speak the truth, letting the public health professionals lead the conversation, but, but doing a number of very specific things also, such as a national testing strategy, a national strategy for implementation of treatment, including when we get a safe vaccine. Um, Joe Biden and I are committed to also building back up our economy and building back better. And that means giving support to small businesses, giving support to working people, um, and helping folks get through this moment so we can get back up on our feet. All right, Senator Kamala Harris there in an interview with our CBS affiliate in Las Vegas. This week, we also spoke with Indiana Senator Todd Young about the controversy over the president's response to COVID-19 and about the negotiations in Congress to try and pass a new coronavirus relief bill. It is an election year. Is it even possible to, to reach a compromise, do you think, ahead of the election? Possible. I mean, I'm a, a member of a bipartisan group, uh, no labels, uh, where we try and identify common ground. I'm unapologetically a, a conservative Republican, but uh, that shouldn't obscure the fact that uh, I and some of my Democratic colleagues are able to uh, land in the same spot or, or arrive in a position uh, that is principled, uh, that involves a measure of compromise for the good of the American people, for the common good. And uh, I'll continue to negotiate. It is going to require some movement from 
uh, our leadership, Nancy Pelosi in particular, and I'm going to continue to uh, go out there and, and tout uh, proposals that I've been putting together, like, for example, my Restart Act, which would save uh, potentially between 30 and 40 percent of our remaining small businesses after we've already lost 80,000 small businesses in this country. So, um, you know, uh, I'm doing everything I can to represent Hoosiers well and to see that we arrive uh, ultimately with some sort of, of package that everyone uh, agrees will be better than uh, inaction. A, a, lot, a lot's being made this election year as well uh, about the president's response to coronavirus and the recordings of him saying he, quote, always wanted to play it down. You said last week you're focused on what to do about the coronavirus now, not what the president said back then. But are, are you concerned at all that kind of messaging has led us to where we are today in terms of our national response? I think you must be referring to uh, the Bob Woodward book. And look, I, as I think I indicated to you, I haven't read the book. I suspect that uh, I'll hear about everything in the book between now and Election Day. And, uh, you know, uh, that will be edifying, I'm sure. But what I'm really focused on is what Hoosier sent me to Washington to work on during a time of national emergency. In this case, it's keeping our government funded, making sure that our military is properly funded, and a direct and bold response, but one a, a responsible response to this coronavirus uh, situation. So uh, that's where my attention is. Senator Young there in an interview Thursday. Friday night, he issued this statement on Justice Ginsburg's passing, calling her a trailblazer in the legal profession who rose to become the second female to serve on the nation's highest court, earning a special place in our nation's history. He says her commitment to public service will continue to inspire future generations. We'll be right back. More coverage of Justice Ginsburg's passing coming up on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. But first, our panel on some of this week's other top stories. Laura Beck, Tony Samuel, Robin Winston, and Mike Murphy. And let's start with Democratic strategist Laura Beck. President Trump, former Vice President Biden, both holding town halls this past week. And Laura, Vice President Biden in his town hall actually calling for President Trump to step down because of the way he's handled the coronavirus. Well, I, uh, it's not surprising, um, especially since the president um, is on record and on tape explaining to uh, Bob Woodward uh, that he didn't want to cause panic. And so he just played it down. Um, I think that is such a damaging statement. It's continuing to haunt him. Um, and I think if you're looking at polling um, that we're seeing across the board from a number of different sources, uh, people are not happy with President Trump's handling of the coronavirus. Um, that said, uh, the challenge, I think, with some of the town halls is that um, we are far enough out from Election Day, but the presidential election is dominating the headlines so much that I don't know how much people are actually tuning in to watch these or if they're catching them later. Uh, so I think as we move closer to debates, we may see uh, some more engagement on those fronts. But it's going to be really interesting to see how much folks are paying attention to that platform well, right now. Well, and I know you've been watching a combination of the NBA playoffs and, of course, our local news at yes, night as well. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I have. Plus, I have to go to bed early to get a kid up for school every see, day. See, there so you go. I have to remember that, too. Life happens in the midst of this pandemic. It does. Right. All right, Tony, <laughs> let's get your response to that. Uh, also, as we get ready to see both of these candidates on the debate stage head to head nine days from now, what will that look like? Well, I think the big story out of the town halls this uh, past week was just how easy the, and politically advantageous to Joe Biden the questions that he got what were uh, compared to how uh, attacking 
the questions uh, at, on ABC's program were to the president. The president handled it very well. From as real far voters, as we should say, those questions uh, in a town hall format. Where, the question's me? coming from, from voters at the town hall. Voters, but I think I think they had some help, and and I think that's been the case with Joe Biden uh, all along. If he does answer questions, they're scripted. He knows where they're coming from. They're lightweight questions. Uh, the president, again, on the coronavirus, since that was brought up, you know, 93 million over 93 million people have been tested uh, to date. Um, he's done everything from the start that to show that he took it seriously. He just wisely, like good leaders do, didn't want to cause a panic, but he shut travel from China down. Uh, before it was even announced, that, before it was even called a pandemic by the World Health Organization. He did that uh, January 31st. He provided all the PPE, all the ventilators. He, mil he mobilized the military to get, uh, to get the equipment. Uh, nobody went without a ventilator. Uh, on and on, he shut down travel from Europe. Uh, he, he, he provided the ships to Los Angeles and, and New York. He provided them with hospitals built by the Army Corps of Engineers. Everything that the Democrats wanted, and you had the Democrat Governors Andrew Cuomo and, and uh, uh, in California, Gavin Newsom, uh, commending him throughout that process. Now everything's political. Joe Biden says that, the, that, that Trump didn't uh, do anything. And, and the Washington Post even called out uh, Joe Biden for, uh, for those kinds of statements well, in the, the other night. Let's mention a couple of interesting stories this week uh, that had some Indiana angles and implications. The Washington Post reporting on the former aide to Vice President Pence who's now endorsing Joe Biden, saying she witnessed the president saying some troubling things about the coronavirus response during her time with the task force, working with the task force. You also had this op-ed in the New York Times from former Indiana Senator Dan Coats talking about the nation's approach to election security and other intelligence issues, calling for a bipartisan congressional commission. Robin, he was also mentioned quite a bit in Bob Woodward's new book about the president. Well, yeah, and Bob Woodward's book, remember, was all recordings of the president. This wasn't rumors or innuendos. We're doing this show by virtual because we should not be within six feet of each other. Yet this president continues to do rallies where people don't have masks. But his only response is, well, I'm not down there amongst them. Okay, well, that's all well and good. But you're not promoting public health and flaunting right in the face of governor's request not to gather more than 200 people continue to do this. Kitchen table issues are going to win this election. And I believe Joe Biden's on the right track on kitchen table issues. Hoosiers are hurting. Unemployment is not coming like it's supposed to be. But why are we having such a high unemployment? Because we never addressed the COVID-19 thing from the beginning. Tony, the president has called this a hoax. He said it's only four or five people. He said it was a guy that came in from Boston at a conference. He's been all, he's been all over the place on this issue. We still don't have a fundamental uh, uh, position paper or position from him on health care. Supposed to have a plan a year ago. So kitchen table issues, Dan. Okay. When we talk about unemployment, addressing COVID-19, addressing health care, I believe that's why Joe Biden's going to win on November 3rd. Mike, back to that Dan Coats uh, column. What, what do you make of, of the former senator, the former DNI's uh, place in history uh, in this administration and, and now in this moment here, uh, weeks before the election? All I can say is Hoosiers of both parties should count themselves as quite fortunate to have ever had the... Uh, privilege of having Dan Coates serve us. Um, he's a truth teller. He's a common sense conservative, has been his entire life. Um, you know, I, I saw him at a, a Boy Scout luncheon last fall, and I told him he was one of my four heroes in Washington. And he said, who are the other three? And I said, uh, Don McGahn, Jim Mattis, and John Kelly. 
He said, that was a pretty good crowd to be with. And I said, just keep telling the truth, Senator. He said, I will, I will. And I think he does continue to tell the truth. And I think he'll go down in the pantheon of great uh, Hoosier public servants uh, throughout history. When it comes to the tapes, the tapes speak for themselves. But the biggest thing that Donald Trump faces is that 70% of Americans think the country's going in the wrong direction, whether that's jobs or the economy or COVID or whatever, it really doesn't matter. When there's that many upset people, you're in danger. Okay, let's talk about some and, of the big um, races oh. here. Oh, Laura, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in on um, the uh, former aide to um, uh, the vice president who spoke out about the coronavi coronavirus task force this last week. I had a chance to watch that video and, and read some of the news stories about it. And what really spoke out to me is, and really stood out, is that Team Pence does not have a lot of cracks in the armor. Uh, people don't really step uh, step out if you've worked for the vice president and 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 his team. They 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 hold things pretty close to the uh, pretty close, and people don't usually step out and do this. Not like the way you see it with the with Trump and his aides. So that really stood out to me as as a definite sign because that's a lonely place to be if you're a former Pence aide. Okay. Uh, focusing on the election here in Indiana in the coming weeks. Obviously, you've got the race for governor, attorney general, the big race in the fifth and some key statehouse races. Now, uh, Tony, the state superintendent uh, crossing the aisle to endorse some Democrats this year. You also had state rep Jim Lucas uh, endorse the libertarian candidate Donald Rainwater this week. Some interesting uh, and noteworthy endorsements from, we should say, two very different Republicans in Jim Lucas and Jennifer McCormick. Yeah, Jennifer McCormick is approaching the end of her term, and, and then, as, as we know, uh, there won't be an elected superintendent of public instruction again. She's, I think, got, maybe got an axe to grind, uh, and, uh, and so that's behind this. I don't really think people will pay attention to what the superintendent uh, of public instruction says about the attorney general, general's race or, or the other races. I've got to go back to something and push back. To Robin's comment, uh, President Trump never said, never, ever said this was a hoax. He said what was a hoax was that Democrats are blaming him for the coronavirus uh, when it when it first started, and they're still continuing to do that. That's that's the hoax that the Democrats are getting away, and Joe Biden's trying to get away with that. As far as the staffer uh, that worked for the vice president, both the vice president and his, his national security advisor, that that was her supervisor, have said they never heard anything, anything, uh, any kind of comments like that while she worked there. She uh, was, had to leave early for reasons they probably don't want to disclose. But now what you're seeing, like we saw last week, every week, Democrats are getting somebody to, to come over and say negative things to hurt the president. I said it before, you'll see it uh, for the rest of the campaign. These are pages and pages of endorsements okay. uh, for the president. Uh, Democrats like uh, Vernon Jones, state rep, uh, African-American state rep from Georgia, uh, police unions from Delaware, Chicago, Colorado, Florida, Louisiana, Milwaukee, New Jersey, New York City, New York State, uh, Texas, Tucson, on and on. And then the, the Democrat mayors in Minnesota that endorsed uh, President Trump. All that is adding up to the re uh, to, to a win for President Trump and the reason why you're seeing these uh, attacks on him. Okay. We've got to leave it there. We've no doubt seen uh, people on both sides of the aisle flipping sides this uh, year for different reasons. Tony, Laura, Mike, Robin, thanks. We'll see you in just a couple of minutes. Coming up next, the Indiana impact of the Big Ten's return and how much money the state is bringing in these days from sports wagering. Well, big news from the Big Ten this week. The conference will indeed play football this fall. A lot of reaction this week in the world of politics 
after a lot of political pressure for the conference to play, including from the president himself. They'll start up again in late October. Meantime, sports betting around Indiana taking off as bettors wagered more than $169 million last month alone. With that revenue going into the state's general fund, state leaders say it's a matter of time before that number grows higher, especially as the NFL season continues and as the Big Ten returns in October. Every dollar coming up in a budget year, uh, which this is, is really going to be needed. So uh, we're at least thankful that sports betting is back up and running. If I am spending money and it's going to the state, at least I'm helping something. Of course, the Colts open up today in their first home game of this 2020 season, with more fans being allowed in for next Sunday's game. You can watch the Colts this week on Fox 59, which has Fox News Sunday today at 10, Fox NFL Sunday at noon, and then the Colts host the Vikings at 1 o'clock. Our Colts coverage starts on CBS 4 with the Colts Blue Zone after Face the Nation, then the Bears and the Giants, part of a CBS doubleheader, followed by the season premiere of 60 Minutes. Stick around. The panel's back after this with this week's Winners and Losers. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Mike, I'll start with you. I'd say I have two losers. Jennifer McCormick, who will be the most quickly forgotten state office holder in Indiana history. And Jim Lucas, if I were uh, Speaker Houston, I would remove him from every single committee, sit him in the back of the room. Robin. I'm going to be positive. I have two winners. Bob Woodward, who really exposed truth to power, factually. And Peyton Manning. I mean, look. He helped build Lucas Oil Stadium, build the Colts. Tremendous uh, nomination for the Hall of Fame. Tony. Uh, two winners as well. President Trump for his two uh, Nobel Peace Prize nominations and also Big Ten fans. And again, President Trump was pushing for the Big Ten and looks like we're going to see some more football. Laurie, you get the last word. Well, my winner is Jennifer McCormick. Um, I am really excited for her future. Uh, I think she is behaving in a very bipartisan way, and I'm excited about it. Um, my loser is Donald Trump. Um, I was incredibly disappointed that he argued with the climate science when um, we were uh, sitting in a, a sea of haze last week, thanks to the wildfires. So right. climate change is here. It's real. And I think we need to acknowledge it. Thank you all for being with us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.